It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors lose their second summer league game to the Chicago Bulls, but... Delano Banton's future seems to be coming into clearer view. I'll explain on today's show. We'll also run through some notes on Christian Coloco, DJ Wilson, and more. Plus, Donovan Mitchell is apparently maybe on the outs in Utah. Should the Raptors get involved? I'll tell you why I don't think they should on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thank you for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopi. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1215 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, July the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On the House. We're also on YouTube for free as well, so go subscribe for video feeds of the episodes every single day day uh all right on today's show which is of course your first listen of the day we are digging into the raptors second summer league outing a very very summer league ass game if i'm being honest it was a tough watch as the raptors fall 93 to 83 to the bulls we'll go through my big takeaway from the game some notes on the other raptors who took part beyond the guy who is the subject of my big takeaway and then we'll quickly hit on the donovan mitchell stuff i don't think the raptors are really involved in this one this feels like a non-raptors conversation but it's the off season and it's a star player and the raptors have the goods to trade for any star player so we'll examine that but let's dive in now to my big takeaway from the second summer league game for the Raptors and it's that I think we're starting to realize what Delano Banton is going to be in the NBA if in fact he does make his way into regular rotation minutes be it this season the season after whatever it is in the NBA he had himself a pretty fun game against the Bulls his second straight game of being probably the best player on the floor for the Raptors I guess you could argue the Jeff Doughton heads out there would say maybe Jeff Doughton's been the best Raptor so far we'll talk about him coming up but Banton has had the ball in his hands a ton he has been responsible for a lot of the action and you know it it honestly is funny because it kind of reminds me of like Tampa season Pascal Siakam where he was passing all the time to wide open shooters who were then bricking said wide open shots that kind of felt like the case in this game but 18 points four boards five assists two steals for Banton in this one he goes six of 15 from the field uh, and only three of 10 from two-point range which is troublesome to be sure although it's a one-game sample and I think he's got a bit of a track record of being able to get to the bucket and score pretty comfortably he's got a really great first step he's really good at slithering through defenders and finding his way to the rim 
So I'm not so concerned about the two-point shooting for Banton right now. You know, he's got touch issues. He's got to figure out a floater, things like that. But that has never been a thing that I've been terribly worried about, Banton being able to develop. The thing that's been the big concern, of course, there have been two. One is sort of the erratic, turnover-prone play when he's got the ball in his hands. And the second is, is he ever going to be even remotely something resembling a three-point shooter? And two summer league games of good shooting does not a dead-eye shooter make, but... I do think we're seeing some strides here from Banton in terms of his overall stroke and more so just the willingness to put up threes. He put up five in the game against the Bulls on Tuesday. He hit three of them all in the first quarter. He was off to a torrid start. The whole team kind of was. They went out to a 17-7 run, driven mostly entirely by Delano Banton. And it was a delight to watch. Things got real rocky as the game went along. And the second and third quarters in particular kind of rendered the Raptors uh, out of this one big time, despite a fourth quarter comeback uh, that, again, fell 10 points short. I don't know if we call it. It was like a fake comeback. Tampa Raptors, baby. It's all uh, tied in. Um, So, yeah, you know, Banton to me. I think there's always been this question about what is Delano Banton going to be at the NBA level? Is he going to be sort of in the Justin Champagne mold of high energy, sort of more big than guard slash wing where, you know, he's getting in there. He's kind of, you know, maybe a backline defender type. He is crashing the offensive glass. I think he's got too much ball skill for that to really be the outcome here. And I also think he's a little bit too like skinny and lanky to be banging around with dudes at the four and five. So I really think we're seeing in this summer league what the Raptors envision for Delano Banton, which is he's going to be a ball handler. He's going to be a guy who is not necessarily your lead ball handler at any given time, but with a second unit, with the G League, wherever he's playing, he's going to be a guy who they try to funnel stuff through for a couple reasons. One, he's tall, he's huge, he can see the entire floor, he can make all the reads. Whether he's making this pa- those passes is a different question. The turnover concerns, he had seven turnovers, of course, in the Summer League opener. Just two in this game, though, which is really nice. And there were lots of different moments where he was creating really good shots out of drive and kick action in particular. He had one beautiful, like, lefty skip pass over to Ron Harper Jr. in the third quarter that was just like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> kind of knocked me on, on, on your butt a little bit. Knocked me on your butt. Knocked me on my butt. How about that? Um, and, and, like, that's the kind of stuff that I think kind of makes you dream on him being eventually a lead ball handler type. Again, I don't think he's ever going to be the lead ball handler for a lineup that has aspirations of winning championships or anything like that, but secondary ball handling off the bench to, you know, take some of the burden away from Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, totally. I think that can be a pathway for Benton. And he's so quick getting downhill that I like the idea of him being like a pick and roll operator, a guy who can operate from a you know a dribble handoff, turn the corner, get downhill, and, and make reads from there. That's all really promising stuff. The three point shot, we'll see. I, I don't know. It's I'm not a shot doctor. I go off of sort of the history, and he's not been a good three point shooter really at any time in his career. But you know, the three out of five in this game, the the good shooting in the first summer league game as well. The fact that he's willing to put them up, that is at least an encouraging developmental sign for Banton. And yeah, I think it's pretty clear now that the Raptors view him as a point guard, as a ball handler, as a guy who's going to drive possessions and initiate on on offense as opposed to finish them off, which I think is probably the way to go considering he doesn't profile as a future 45% corner three-point shooter or anything like that. Again, things can develop, guys can get better at things, and that's totally on the table here. But I'm just glad because it seems like Banton 
you know, it's been a bit of a rough ride here for the Raptors with their second round picks of late, right? Dewan Hernandez was nothing. Jalen Harris, you know, kind of had some moments, but ultimately, I don't really think he ever really fit what the team has now envisioned itself to be in terms of its scheme, in terms of its overall just sort of roster construction. D- Gary Trent Jr. kind of made Jalen Harris surplus to requirements in a lot of ways. Um, so I'm not even sure had he not been suspended last year, if he would have survived last season with the team, for example. Uh, then you go with, you know, David Johnson, who was pretty rough in this game just two of eight oh of two from downtown minus 24 just four points i don't really think it's it with david johnson it's nice to see at least one of these second round picks from from recent years seemingly going to be on the track for the raptors to be one of those developmental pieces i would throw justin champagne in that conversation as well even though he wasn't a second round pick he was an undrafted guy those two guys to me are sort of the crown jewels, if you will, of the shadow core the Raptors seem to be building alongside, of course, Christian Coloco, who, as I've said, despite being a second round pick, kind of has more of a first round vibe than a second round vibe uh, to him, just considering he was the Raptors only pick this season. So yeah, really nice stuff from Banton. Happy to see that they're giving him like full agency over the offense and the shooting numbers. You know, they're not always going to be there. He's also not always going to have this much of a burden on him in the NBA. And it's just nice to see that he's kind of adding elements to what was a pretty one-dimensional package last year, right? He was great in the open court, running off of rebounds, getting things going in transition. In the half court, it was really stodgy. There was not a lot in terms of, like, he would kind of get his dribble kind of seized up because he really only had the one behind the back move. And from there, it, it just kind of broke down. And the possessions where he was out there were usually pretty tricky if he was the lead on-ball guy. It seems like there's a little bit more in terms of point guard instincts and creation coming along from him. And that's great to see. So even if he's not, you know, in the plans this season as a regular rotation piece, which I would doubt that he will be considering as we've covered, there's already like a pretty entrenched nine-man rotation that I think is going to be very difficult to crack for anyone outside of it. Um, but I think he has as good a chance as anybody. And you think a couple years down the road, maybe he is that fourth ball handler behind Fred Siakam and Scotty Barnes who can come in and run offense for you. And that's a nice thing to see. So we'll continue to track Banton's progress throughout the summer league. Uh, but he has certainly been one of the bright spots for the team so far. Coming up in just a sec, we're going to dig into some notes on Christian Coloco, who the disparity between this dude's offense and his defense is kind of hilarious right now. We'll dig into that. Talk about DJ Wilson's struggles. Jeff Doughton, who's been pretty good. Maybe he's in line for the second two-way the Raptors have out there. We'll get to that in just one second here. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. I know nothing about cars, okay? I just use my car to get from point A to point B. I hate spending money on my car. Gas is really expensive. Everything's really expensive. You shouldn't be spending full freight on parts for your car when you're in need of a fix. And so rockauto.com is the place to go. You just fire up their super easy-to-use website, which is so easy that I, a car dum-dum, can use very easily. Search your year, make, model, put in the part that you need, and you're going to find tons of different options, brands, specifications, prices to choose from, as opposed to just being stuck with whatever they give you at the mechanic. Go explore their easy-to-use website today for all of your auto parts needs, from the important stuff like brake parts to the aesthetic stuff like new carpets. RockAuto.com is the place to go for all of the available parts for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at RockAuto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, breaking down the Raptors' second summer league game, which again was a real clunker of a summer league game. I understand the appeal of summer league. I get it. It's nice to have a basketball fix in the summer. It's nice to watch prospects for the first time. But boy, oh boy, the payoff is I don't know how much it's worth the horrible, horrible basketball we often see from guys who are not really bound for the NBA. Um, Look, I'm glad it exists. It's a cool thing that exists, but I I think we maybe put a little bit too much importance into it. That said, let's have some overreactions to what we saw in the second summer league game. Um, Let's start with Christian Coloco. Bit of a rough one for him. Two of eight from the field. Five points. He did hit one three on one attempt, which is nice. Uh, He pulled up for a couple of mid-rangers and stuff too, uh, which is nice to see him at least testing the bounds of his range uh four points one assist one steal three blocks like that's gonna be a thing with him three blocks he's gonna block a lot of shots he's really long he's got good instincts for when to go up when not to go up and the thing that's really standing out to me with Coloco is just how vast the gulf is between where his defense is right now and where his offense is right now because his offense is pretty tricky you know, there's the sort of post-ups that I, I think are kind of doomed anytime they start. And look, that is something that's not going to happen in an NBA game for the Raptors, at least an NBA game where it's, you know, not a 20-point deficit that they're coming back from or they're leading by 40 points or whatever it is. Like, we're not going to see Christian Coloco post-ups, at least for the first couple years of his career, I would assume. And I think they'll probably try to funnel him into the sort of role man style of play. So while the post-ups are kind of ugly, a little clunky, heavy you know, hook shots and stuff like that, not too much of a concern for me. That's something that, that, that he can work on and you know develop, and it's not something that's essential to the Raptors this coming season. Um, the role stuff, you know, you can see he's a big target. You can see he kind of knows what to do. He is very, I think, dexterous and sort of is aware of where his body is in space, which is a useful thing to have. I just think he needs to be a little bit quicker making reads. There were a couple times where he'd make you know make a catch on the short roll. There'd be a guy cutting baseline, and he'd just kind of going up tunnel vision for the bucket. Very contested. Didn't quite work out. You know, a more seasoned big man in that role, or even some of the guys we've seen who are not traditional bigs on the Raptors who work in the short roll. OG, Pascal, Scotty Barnes, Kem Birch. Like, they're able to make that quick read to the baseline cutter. I would imagine they'll massage that along and it's going to come with him, but it's not there just yet. And that's a sort of underrated piece of being a role man. You know, there's this sort of impression that when you're a role man, it's just, oh, you're just going up to finish dunks and stuff like that. Not always the case. There's not always an easy lane for a dunk. Sometimes you need to dump off a pass, go a little big to big, spray a kick to the corner. And I think that stuff's going to still be a little bit of a ways off here with Christian Coloco. And I think overall... I think Raptors fans should probably ready themselves for the idea that Christian Coloco is probably not going to be a massive part of the plans this coming season. They're very loaded in the front court. They got dudes everywhere. They obviously have a style of play that they want to deploy. We might still see 10 to 12 minutes of Coloco just as a developmental tactic to get him into games and see how he fares. But I also think he's bound for a lot of G League time where he will get a lot of reps doing the stuff that big men need to do on offense. The defense is there, and like if you need a defensive stop, if you need you know a, a late game you know, guy to protect from a, a lob threat or something like that, or you know just in the regular stretch of a game, if you want to kind of go with what the Raptors have done in the past with their bench units, where they go defense heavy and try to survive five minute stretches by winning them four to two or going even two to two, maybe Coloco can fit in there, and and I think he will get some minutes this season, but. 
the offense offensive rawness is very clear to me and i think raptors fans should probably ready themselves for him to not necessarily be a massive part of the rotation and there will be long stretches i think where he just isn't playing and he'll probably be down in the g league and stuff like that which is totally fine it's a second round pick we get so excited about every pick the Raptors make. These things take time. Pascal Siakam was a huge work in progress in his first season, only started because their only other planet power forward was Jared Sullinger. And by the time they figured that out, he was off and, uh, you know, playing in the G League and winning championships and stuff like that. So it's not a, uh, like a note against a guy to say he might need some G League seasoning time, but I am still very encouraged by Coloco because on defense, the dude just knows what he's doing, man. He's great at getting out and contesting without jumping and leaping at pump fakes and staying in front of guys. He has a total awareness of where he is around the rim, where shots are coming from, where he can contest and, and alter shots. You know, the fouling, I think, will be a thing that probably most big men struggle with early on. He had four fouls in this game. Uh, I believe he had six in the opener as well. So it's not perfect, but, uh, you know, I, I think just... The nice thing is that the floor with Coloco's defense is what, what we talked about after the draft, right? You know, the defensive floor with him is going to make it so there's like a baseline of competence for him being on the floor. The offense is going to take some time here, and I don't think there's any surprises there. Quick other thoughts here on a couple other guys. DJ Wilson looked a pretty rough in this game. Six turnovers, four of nine shooting, two of four from deep, which is nice to see. But, uh, you know, just did not look terribly comfortable out there. And... You know, I think he's going to be in tough to make the roster, honestly, just thinking about the way I'm glad he got some guaranteed money. That's fantastic for him. But just with the way the roster is constructed, the way they kind of lean big, heavy anyway, I know there's not a traditional center outside of Coloco necessarily, but it does feel like maybe they're so focused on having as many forwards on the floor as possible that if he were a guard, there'd be a better shot for him to make the team. I think he'll be in tough to make it, but we'll see. You know, he, he obviously did some nice things for the Raptors last season during his 10 days, and that was great to see, but he's got to be a little bit better than we saw. Like, he should be the best player on the floor in these games. He's been in the NBA for how long? He was a first-round pick. You would like to see DJ Wilson kind of dominate a little bit here, and he has not done that so far. Um, the other guy, Jeff Doughton. So don't really know a ton about Jeff Doughton. He's been on the you know, kind of in the NBA circles for a couple of years now, went undrafted in 2020, played like nine games with four different teams last season in the NBA. And, you know, the Raptors have that second two-way spot that is kind of unclaimed right now. Right now it's Ron Harper Jr. Maybe they give another one to Justin Champagny if they are trying to, you know, maneuver the roster a little bit. Maybe they give it to David Johnson, although I don't think Johnson has really captured the imagination enough to really warrant that. Um, but a guy like... Jeff Doughton, maybe that's the guy you bring in. He's a, like a scoring guard type dude. Like he, he's got some size to him at the wing guard spot. Um, you know, obviously he seems like a pretty good shooter as well. I'm not going to profess to know Jeff Doughton's life story or anything like that, but he, he certainly has looked, uh, you know, pretty damn effective. And he's been the most efficient player for this team so far through two summer league games. And if you're going to impress, uh, you know, th th then maybe you are deserving of a two-way contract and at least a look in training camp. You know, again, we're all talking about guys who are going to be two ways and back end of roster guys. None of this really impacts the overall ceiling of the team this coming season, but you like to get developmental projects in for sure. Dalton's 25, so maybe not so much of a developmental project. And maybe it's just kind of a guy who you can trust to be pretty effective in G League minutes. And that's kind of all you roll with. But I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not displeased with the idea of Jeff Dalton being a second two-way guy, considering how effective he, he was, uh, or he has been so far through a couple of, of, uh, of summer league games here. 
Um, and then, yeah, last thoughts on other guys. Ron Harper Jr., pretty small role overall. You know, just four shots in this game, three boards. You know, seems like he's got a pretty decent-looking three-point stroke, just one of three in this game. We'll see how it comes along. Uh, but really, the big ones are Banton, Wilson, and Coloco, I think you're looking at, because they seem like the most likely guys to actually land a roster spot. You know, Armani Brooks is in that conversation as well, for sure. Uh, you know, just two of six in this one. He was obviously fantastic in the first one, bombing every single three in sight. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. That the roster crunch is something that we'll be talking about for months here. We don't need to dig too, too much into the minutiae of it right now. With that, we're going to leave off the Summer League talk for now, come back on the other side, and we are going to dig into the Donovan Mitchell thing because, hey, it's the offseason, and when the star is available, we should probably talk about it through a Raptors lens, even if I think it is very unlikely that the Raptors are going to get caught up in the Donovan Mitchell business, which I think is good. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's MLB futures. Of course, the second part of the season is getting ready to roll with the All-Star break coming up. If you want to throw some money down on teams to win the divisions that maybe are behind and making big comebacks, you want to put money on any of the AL East teams well behind the Yankees to make a hilarious historic comeback that makes Yankees fans cry bet online is the place to do it you can go and get all of your information including live betting esports scores injury updates podcasts news everything is there so you can become the informed wager it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and one one-off events as well like MMA boxing and golf tournaments uh the British Opens this weekend have some fun with that head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online is where the game starts the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's round out your show today to dig in a little bit on the Donovan Mitchell of it all. Uh, so, Brian Windhorst meme, et cetera, et cetera. And why is that? Uh, it sounds like maybe the Jazz are actually potentially opening op- open to moving on from Donovan Mitchell if the price is right. Uh, lots of reporting coming in. Uh, you know, I think Adrian Wojnarowski was first on it. Jake Fisher had a piece over today at Bleacher Report digging into it as well. And it seems as though the posturing that the Jazz were not going to deal Donovan Mitchell is maybe not so true. <laughs> and it does seem like maybe he's gettable for the right price, which probably is the right move for the Jazz. I don't think a Donovan Mitchell team flanked by Malik Beasley and Walker Kessler and whoever else they got back from the Jazz or from the Wolves in the Gobert trade and whatever else they still have left on the roster and aging Mike Conley, that team's not doing anything in the Western Conference. So maybe it's time to just cut bait with, with Mitchell and move on and start something fresh. It seems like a Danny Ainge type thing to do as well, considering he tends to like to trade off dudes and then kind of restart and reorganize from the ground up like he did with the Celtics. And, you know, as much as we laugh at Danny Ainge, works pretty well. So maybe we see a deal for Mitchell going out. And like the price has been set by the Gobert trade to the point that they're probably going to get a pretty big return for Mitchell. And that is why I think I'm out on the idea of the Raptors being in any way involved in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. First of all, they still have the KD thing kind of hanging over things. So the sort of sort of Damocles that's hanging over the entire NBA. 
perhaps they are still in on KD. You know, the reports are that the Scotty Barnes discussion is a non-starter and that's kind of stalled things out. I maintain that I think the Raptors bargaining position here is pretty darn good compared to the rest of the league and the Nets just might have to settle for something less than they have desired because that's just the way it goes. The market kind of dictates what you're going to get in trade, even when the guy you're trading is Kevin freaking Durant. With Donovan Mitchell, it's a little bit different, right? That's not a situation where it's got the sort of toxic overtones of what's going on with the Nets with the four years left. I guess there are like three years left on Donovan Mitchell's contract. But again, it's not like a trade request. This more feels like the Jazz saying, all right, it's time to move on here and just sort of restart and press reset on this whole thing. And they're going to want a massive price. They're probably going to want more than what they got for Rudy Gobert, which is like five first round picks. That's a lot in return, and I don't think the Raptors, A, really have the draft capital to match what the Jazz are going to want. And even if they you know, were to put other players and stuff in like that to overcompensate for the fact that they don't have the draft capital to match, say, the offer that can come from the Knicks, who I believe right now can offer eight first-round picks because they have a whole bunch in their coffers, like the player cost is going to leave the team behind after the trade much worse off. And, you know, I think... If you're the Jazz and you're looking at the Raptors, yeah, there's probably a package the Raptors could put together that's pretty intriguing for Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, Scotty Barnes would be a non-starter there. If he's a non-starter for Kevin Durant, he's a non-starter for, uh, for, for Donovan Mitchell. Pascal Siakam would be a non-starter as well because I kind of think Pascal Siakam's a better overall basketball player right now than Donovan Mitchell. Of course, Mitchell hasn't beaten the buckets department, but everything else, playmaking, defense, just sort of general offensive enginery, Pascal's got Donovan Mitchell beat right now. And, and so that would be a non-starter. You could probably do like a Fred Van Vliet for Donovan Mitchell flip of some kind, but like what's that doing for the Jazz? Yes, it gets a guy in to kind of be the culture setter for their rebuild and all that, but you're removing the big culture guy from your own locker room if you're the Raptors and bringing in Mitchell, a guy who very openly has had a lot of tensions with the team and in particular his star teammate down with the Utah Jazz. And I should say, there's like a little bit of bias in terms of how I talk about Mitchell and the Jazz because I, I just, I don't know how to separate the quality of the players down there from like their full-on cataclysmic meltdowns in the postseason from all of the tension and sort of sniping back and forth between Mitchell and Gobert. I don't know who's at most fault for all of that. I don't know who's to blame. I do know Donovan Mitchell looked entirely checked out in the postseason this year and just refused to slide his feet on defense even one time. And that's certainly troublesome for sure. And I think like if you are a person who has the concerns about Kevin Durant being sort of a tough add to the Water Raptors locker room, I think... I, a, I don't really think that's all that valid, and I don't necessarily think it's all that valid with Mitchell either, but if you think that's the case with Durant, it's probably even more so the case with Mitchell. Again, I don't really think either are all that huge of concerns because people figure it out, and I don't think the sort of reputation of Mitchell is the same as what it actually is in actuality just because that jazz situation was so messed up and so toxic and broken that it kind of warps your thinking on all these guys. It's kind of warped the thinking on Gobert, for example, right? Like people laughed at the deal for the wolves and it's all of a sudden you start looking at this wolves team and it's like, Oh my God, they're going to be amazing. Cause Gobert is like obviously awesome despite being a guy who everyone seems to totally hate. Um, so yeah, it, it just doesn't feel like the right fit. And again, I think you're going to 
be at risk even more so than with Kevin Durant because of the limited market for KD because of all the different factors playing into that situation between KD's preferences between the risk factor of him being 34 years old and only a few teams kind of being in the sweet spot where they could actually offer enough to get him and still have a title contender left behind after the deal like that's not really a bidding war in the same way that I think it could be for Mitchell where there's lots more teams who could potentially throw their hat in he makes like 13 million dollars less than KD this season as well so the money is easier to manage more teams can actually throw their hat in the ring because they have the salaries to cobble together and again the Knicks seem really determined to get some kind of star and they have a whole boatload of first round picks they have guys they can trade out be it RJ Barrett be it you know Obi Toppin or whoever else they have Emmanuel quickly you know, maybe there's something there where it's just like a very obvious fit with the Knicks and Mitchell. Mitchell maybe want to, wants to go there. I think he's a local New York guy. It just seems like a situation where you would have to outbid the Knicks by so much in terms of player capital. I'm, you know, that's gross. I'm not going to say that word again. Player capital is a gross phrase. In terms of players, human beings who you're trading for Donovan Mitchell, uh, like in terms of you'd have to give way more players in order to overcompensate for the crazy number of picks the Knicks can throw at the Utah Jazz in an offer. So I think it's probably one to just leave well enough alone. If the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, they'll be better for sure. Do I think they're like a top five team in the Eastern Conference? Mm, I'll believe it when I see it because I, I just think there's lots of holes and issues with that roster and having Julius Randle around still with Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett. That feels like a thing you'd have to kind of figure out and uh, massage along a little bit as well if you are the Knicks and you know that might take some time to sort out so yeah I, I think it's fine the Raptors as we've talked about with the KD thing they're in a position where they don't have to just jump at any trade because they have a pretty damn good future lined up in front of them if they're just patient and you know you make the move for the right move that hit fits fits for the, the overall cost of acquisition and all that stuff you don't need to go just say, well, there's a star there. Here's all the stuff. Let's get, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell on the team. I don't think this is the one for them. And that's a nice thing that you could just kind of be like, eh, not the star for us. We can wait for the next star. And they will be able to do that because as I've said on this show, they are set up to be a player in star trade conversations for the next little while here with all the picks they have on hand, you know, not any going out at this point. And then, of course, the, uh, the fact that they have a lot of very good young players on very movable contracts. So... With that, I think I'm going to round out today's show. Just wanted to offer some quick thoughts on Mitchell there. We'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to break down Summer League with Katie Heindel, who I believe is spending today recovering from Summer League and being in Vegas for five days. So we'll ch chat with her tomorrow. Hopefully her voice is not all, uh, you know, broken and raspy from being in Vegas for five days. We shall see. Uh, <laughs> either way, thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go check out Locked on NBA as your second listen of the day as they break breakdown all the news across the NBA each and every day lots of summer league breakdowns of course trade talks Donovan Mitchell will be heavily featured on the next episode of Locked in NBA it's available on all your apps and on Apple Pod or app on, it's on the apps and on YouTube duh uh with that thanks very much we'll talk to you Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.